The reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 to 4, and can be found on page 1157 in the Pew Bible. The Collection for the Lord's People. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I, make come, no, when I come no collections will have, been made, will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. This is the word of the Lord. So again, Lord, we thank you for Peter. We thank you for calling him into this ministry, Lord, and thank you for calling him to Christ Church. We pray your blessing on him now. We pray the anointing of your Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, that he may open up what you want us to hear from your word this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you all. Can you hear me? If you can't hear me, wave. I mean it, because we need... (laughs) If you can't hear me, you need to tell me, because it's very important uh, that you can. Um, Okay. Uh, The title I've given my talk is Money Matters. Money Matters. Do we believe that money matters to God? Well... I'm hoping to convince you, even if you don't. Did you realize that there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible to do with money? 2,000 verses in the Bible to do with money. Uh, There are about 40 recorded parables of Jesus in the Gospels. And of those, nearly half speak directly about money. Uh, So uh, things like the pearl of the great price, the lost coin, the silver talents, and so on. And uh, here, the the reading we just heard, uh, read from 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing the issue of money and giving. There's no doubt about it. Money matters to God. And uh, I believe this word, this morning, we need to hear God's word challenging us. We need to hear a word, the word of God challenging a prevailing mindset in our society, in our culture, that says the money in my bank account is my money. Because, my friends, if you are a Christian here today, my contention is that isn't true, I'm afraid. Because the money in your bank account, if you're a Christian, actually belongs to God, not you. But the world around us, all around us, you just walk out of this door and you'll be, uh, you know, you'll be confronted by it. The world around you says, uh, you know, if you walk past a bank or a building society, you'll be have a poster in front of you that says, if you put your money in our bank accounts, your money is going to grow because we've got the best interest rate compared to that one down the road. You know, they're all competing for our money, aren't they? Well, part of what I, wanted to do, what I want to do today is to challenge the, challenge the notion that money in your bank account is your, is your money. Well, no, let, it, let me come. It is your money, but it's also it's actually God's because God gave it to you in the first place. And so I want to say to you, the best way to save your money is to invest it in God's kingdom. Invest your money in the kingdom of God because that's the best bank account of all. It's got the highest rate of interest and it's got no bank charges. 
Now, today is Harvest Sunday. We know that, don't we? And uh, I want to lay out some reasons, some Bible reasons, biblical reasons, as to why our financial giving, that's a polite way of saying money, is such a vital and central part of our walk with Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus, it is very important. I also want to say, of course, that this is, can be, a sensitive topic. Uh, we've been thinking about sex and sexuality in the last two weeks. This is also a sensitive topic. So let me start with a few provisos. Firstly, I acknowledge that, mon- that giving isn't all about money, because, of course, it's about what we give to God in all senses. It's about what we give in terms of our time, our talents, our gifts, all that he's given to us. Of course it is. So it's not just about money. It's about our giving as a whole. Uh, secondly, when I'm talking about giving, I want to say from the outset how grateful I am on behalf of the PCC for all, from the PCC for all that you do give. Uh, and I'm particularly talking money now. <clears throat> uh, we are very, very grateful, very thankful as a PCC for all that you do give. Thank you. Thirdly, it's the responsibility and the privilege of the PCC to spend your money wisely and well and responsibly. So that is why you need to keep us accountable. We are accountable to you, so keep us accountable. Okay, uh, bearing all that in mind, let's start with uh, a little bit of a story. It's not really a story, but it's about a film. Um, Burt Reynolds, who sadly passed away recently, uh, starred in a film in 1978 called The End. Has anybody ever heard of it, for starters? No, okay, not a well-known film. Uh, it's a 1978 film called The End. And in that film, basically, he hears that he's got a, a terminal disease, and so he decides to commit suicide. And he, he spends a lot of the film trying to commit suicide. One of the ways he does it is, towards the end of the film, he swims out into the ocean, into the sea. Uh, because he's going to try and drown himself. Having tried other ways, he's going to now try and drown himself. And he goes underneath, underneath the water, and then he kind of comes to his senses, and he comes back up to the water, and he screams out to the seagulls, probably, I want to live, I want to live. And then what happens, a fascinating dialogue happens then. He, he then begins to bargain with God. Now, whether he actually believes in God, I don't know, but you know, that's the, this is the, the drama of the film. And he begins to have a conversation, a dialogue, uh, a bargaining with God, and he says, he says to God, God, if you will save me, I will keep all your Ten Commandments. And then he promptly remembers he doesn't actually know the Ten Commandments. So he's, <laughs> he says, God, if I can remember them, I'll keep them. And then he says, as he's swimming towards, he's now beginning to swim slowly towards the shore. He then says to, to the Lord, he says, God, if you will save me, if you will keep me safe, I will give you 80% of all I have. And he keeps on swimming, keeps on swimming. And then he gets a little bit further towards the shore. And he says, Lord, he makes his, makes his mind up again. Lord, if you will save me, I will give you 50% of all that I have. So it's reduced from 80 to 50. And then he gets even nearer the shore. Then he says, God, I will give you 10% of all that I have. And then he gets really towards the beach, towards the shore. And he says, well, Lord, let's just, let's just forget about all I've just said. I think I can make it from here on my own. So it's, it's a kind of, it's a kind of a, an illustration of the way society thinks, pro- and probably more specifically about the church, actually. 
uh, maybe the way we think. Because we can kind of think about this as a sort of a, you know, duty. You know, the giving, my giving, is a duty-bound thing. I'm, I'm duty-bound to give. Uh, you know, I, I have to do it. I'm obliged to. But is that a good way of thinking about it? I don't think so. What's a better way to think about our giving? Well, let's see what the Bible says. It's a good place to start, isn't it? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Notice how this starts, how Paul starts. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. What Paul is doing, you see, he's, he's writing to the Corinthians out of love for them, concern for them, and he's addressing questions that they've got. And he, uh, remember, he's in Ephesus, so he's uh, quite a long way away. And he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. And so at this point, he's now towards the end of his letter, he then addresses the issue of giving. How and why should they give to the Lord's people? And he's talking about the saints in Jerusalem. So let me reread the passage. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Now, the essential thing to grasp here is that Paul is talking about a need. He's talking about a need to provide for the saints in Jerusalem because Paul is aware that the saints in Jerusalem are suffering. And what's going on is there is a starvation going on in that part of the Roman Empire. And so Paul is very concerned for the church and he's saying, collect for them. Put money aside for them to relieve their suffering. Now, what we, could, what we can also do, of course, we can fast forward to 2 Corinthians, his next letter to the Corinthians, because 2 Corinthians follows up some of the discussion, much of the discussion in 1 Corinthians. So keep a finger in the Bible reading, but also turn in 2 Corinthians, the next, it's very easy, it's the next book of the Bible, and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is a follow-on discussion from 1 Corinthians 16. Now, Paul, you see, has made his appeal. He's appealed to the Corinthians, but he's also appealed to the church more widely, around the the Mediterranean, around the Roman Empire. Uh, Paul has said to them, do something. And so he says in in our reading, the original reading, he says, do what I told the Galatians to do. Now, also, he's, he, he, in 2 Corinthians, he's following that up, and he then brings in another church, the Macedonian church. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, he commends, uh, says, well done to the Macedonian church, that's the Greek church, basically, who have excelled in their generous giving. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, Paul says, and now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. 
in the midst, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So you see, this is the background, that's what's going on. This is the, kind of the, the, the context. The church in Jerusalem is suffering. They're going through a hard time. He hears, Paul hears the news. He, he, he wants to do something about it. And so he appeals to the church around the Mediterranean to give. And as we've just, we've just read, the Macedonian church have done it really generously. They've excelled in their giving. But the Corinthians are yet to make good on their promise to give. And that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. Where Paul says, Now finish the work so that your, eagerness, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. What Paul is saying, he's saying, don't just say you're going to give. I want you to match your words with some action in the form of giving in line with what you can afford. Okay. Now, you might say, well, that's well and good. How does that apply to me? I'm a disciple of Jesus, or I'm, you know, thinking about being a a disciple of Jesus, uh, and I'm sitting in Christ Church in 2018. What does this mean for me? Well, what is God asking us as our bank account? Actually, that's that's an even more direct way of putting it. Well, I I want to say three things. Firstly, I want to say that giving, first and foremost, is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. That's first and foremost what it's about. It's an expression of gratitude to God for his faithfulness, for his love, for his goodness to us, to me, to us as a body. It's, it can be a response to a need. Yes, it can. But it is most of all a response of gratitude to God for his giving to us. And so when we give to God, we are placing our gift in his hands. Now, you know this, but I'll remind you. Worship is a word that, is, that comes from the word worthy. That's where the word comes from. Worship is uh, about worthiness. And so when we give to God, we're saying, God, you are worthy of my giving. God, you are worthy of my giving. You are the creator of the universe. You're the Lord of the heaven and the earth. You are Lord of the cosmos, and you're worthy of my praise. And so that's why we, are, we worship. We give our worth to him because he is worthy of it. We praise him with our lips. We praise him with our gifts. We praise him with our lives. We praise him with our money. And so Paul says to the Corinthians that they're giving to the needs of the saints. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 12. The giving of the needs of the saints is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but listen to this, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's a lovely phrase, isn't it? It's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So when we give back to God, we glorify him. It's an overflowing of our worship. Because God has done it all for us. 
And in fact, if you give corporately, as we're doing today, it's the most, it is one of the most public expressions of worship to God and of God. And that's why we tithe as a church. That's why we, uh, in our budgets, we tithe from our budgets. Uh, we, we give to people who we support. So the MAG group, tell us. They say, look, we're, we're supporting this, this person in South Africa. We're supporting Sarah in South Africa. We're supporting uh, that person in Southampton, wherever it is. They say, do something about it. Pray for them, yes. Support them, give to them, love them. So that's why we're having a love offering for Sarah Wilkins today. We're saying by word, by deed, that we want to support her in what she's doing in South Africa. It's an act of worship to God. Thank you. It's a thanksgiving to God. It's also so that, as Libby said, it's so that the gospel, the good news, can be spread more widely so that more people can hear that God loves them. So it's an act of worship. Secondly, giving tells me where, giving tells me where my heart is. Giving tells me where my heart is. Uh, you'll probably know this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, says Paul. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Put that on your fridge. Put it above your cooker. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap uh, generously. Now, Paul is challenging on money. Jesus Jesus is even more challenging. Whenever I read the Gospels, Jesus challenges me on my money. Because Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have got to give up everything. And not surprisingly, as people heard that, they thought, whoa, I can't do that. I'm not going to pay that price. Do you remember, you remember there's a story in the, in the Gospels that people who say, I'm willing to follow you, Lord Jesus, wherever you go. And yet he turns them back. He says, no, you're not. You're not willing to pay the cost. Jesus says this, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And when they heard this, they didn't follow him. But what about, the, you know, what about his, his, his core group, his 12, his disciples? Peter says to Jesus, we have left all we had to follow you. What does Jesus say to him? He says this, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Hear this truth and ponder it. Unreserved commitment results in unrestrained blessing. Unreserved commitment results in unrestrained blessing. Psalm 112 says this, Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Their children children will be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches are in their houses. When you hold nothing back from God, he holds nothing back from you. Now, I will never preach a prosperity gospel. I don't believe in it. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, 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 an authentic gospel to preach. But what I do believe is this. If we do not withhold from God our material blessings, he will not withhold from us his spiritual blessings. 
In other words, if we freely give back to God in line with what he's blessed us with, then he will pour out his spiritual blessings on us. He will pour out his love, his peace, his patience, all those spiritual blessings he longs to give to his children. But the danger is, is because we live in a materialistic society, we tend to value the material more than the spiritual. And so I, 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 I want you to try and listen to your own prayers. As you're going around your daily life, you know, going to the shops, going around, whatever you're doing, listen to what you're praying. And you might catch yourself praying something along the lines of, Lord, I'll be happy if you give me that new TV. Lord, you might, you may not. Lord, I'll be happy if you give me that car, that new car. You know, I can serve you so much better, Lord, if you give me that new car. Or I can serve you so much better if you give me that TV I saw in Curry's the other day. Now, it doesn't work like that, does it? Because God might bless you with a new car. He might bless you with a new TV or whatever it is. But God isn't a sugar daddy. He's not there to make us happy. God is, God's concern, actually, is to make us like Jesus. Whether that makes us happy or not is a different matter. He wants us to be like his son, Jesus. He wants us to grow up into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And so in the age of materialism that we are in, in a huge way, we've got to be on our guard. Strive after spiritual blessings and the Lord will be with you in mighty ways. Strive after material blessings and you will soon find yourself the poorer. That's the second point. Where is your heart? Thirdly, giving is an indicator of how much I trust God. Now, if I think I've got to do all my, if I think it's all about me and I've got to do it all myself, and that God is not a rewarder of those who trust him, then I'm not living in the way he wants me to. The Bible says this, again, these are challenging words. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, as Christians, we are assured that God knows our needs. God knows the needs of Sarah Wilkins. And he assures us he will take care of us. Jesus says this, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? And then this bit, this bit is always challenging. So do not worry. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, if I don't believe that, if I don't believe that God will provide for my needs, then deep down in my heart, I will never, never be able to give at a meaningful level. I quoted this verse in 2 Corinthians, and I said, put it on your fridge. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We can be generous in our giving because we have a God who cares for us, who provides for us. And the more we seek the things of the Spirit the less the material things will mean to us. Yes, we use them. Yes, yes, enjoy them. Yes, do. 
but recognize who has given them to us. We don't own them. We are stewards of those things. And it's about keeping a loose grip on them. So I want to ask a serious question this morning. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is your treasure invested in yourself, in your possessions, in your pleasures? Is it hidden away in banks and security, securities? Or is it invested in the kingdom of God where it can be used for his work? Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying banks are a bad thing. Of course they're not. We need them. What I'm saying is that you invest in the kingdom of God that is for eternity. Now, if you don't know who the treasure is, it's Mr. Watts over there. So some, some people may not even know who the treasure is. So Dave is our treasurer. If you want to talk to Dave about giving, he's the man. And he will have a, a, a private conver- and confidential chat with you about your giving and whatever you want to talk to. He won't tell me that you talk to him. Uh, but have a chat. If you want to know about how to give, uh, ways to give, Dave uh, is very happy to talk to you. If you are new, and thank the Lord, there are some new people coming along. If you are new, have a chat with me first, and then have a chat with Dave. That's fine. And then we can talk about it. But the truth is, money matters to God. And when we give to God, it reminds us from where the things have come from. Because where you spend your money is an accurate gauge of what you value in life, and the things are of importance to you. Are you investing in the material or the spiritual? Because how we give demonstrates whether we trust God, trust God, or whether our security lies elsewhere. The things that we spend our money on and where our treasure is invested is very important because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's have a moment of quiet in the presence of God and and just in the quiet have a have that dialogue with him maybe have that conversation or just be quiet with him and ask him to guide you in your giving heavenly father we're in your presence and we know that you are a good god God who has given everything to us. You've given us this world. You've given us each other. You've given us your best, Jesus. Jesus, your son. Jesus, you have given up everything for us. You gave up your life for us on the cross. And you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us that guarantee, that deposit, that down payment of eternal life. Lord, help us to worship you. Help us to give you worthiness because you are worthy of our praise, of our life, of our giving, of ourselves. Help us to praise you with our lives each and every day. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.